Welcome to the Limited Slip Podcast, your week's automotive news in 20 minutes. We compress all the news in the auto, motorcycle, and racing worlds for you into our 20-minute podcast. Your hosts are me, Dave, an attorney and car importer, and Borja, the mechanic extraordinaire. This is Dave and Borja on this week's Limited Slip Podcast. This episode of the Limited Slip Podcast is brought to you by Retromobile Designs. If you are looking for auto and racing themed t-shirts that look cool to the average show, but get an approving nod from other gearheads, check them out at RetromobileDesigns.com. That's RetromobileDesigns.com. They have announced that after the 2021 season, they're pulling out. As always, you can follow us at our Facebook page and you can email us too. Follow us uh, through Facebook at the Limited Slip Podcast and email us at the Limited Slip Podcast at gmail.com. So quick news this week. Um, let's get right into it. Let's talk about Ford. Uh, actually, a couple things about Ford this week. Uh, first thing, they are dropping the GT350 and the GT350R from the Mustang lineup. Which is maybe the best Mustang. It, well, it is. Uh, as of right now, it is. They are uh, coming out with the GT500, and if you want something that's a little bit more tamed down, you can get a Mach 1. Uh, next up, we have some uh, news about Subaru. They've uh, teased the new BRZ. We have no information right now if they be collaborating with Toyota or any information about what powertrain they're going to be using, but they are teasing the next-gen BRZ. We have some inf- interesting sales information. So it looks like in the, in the third quarter of 2020, we've been looking at the top 10 selling vehicles in the United States, and only two of them are cars. Only two of them. The rest are either S. SUVs or pickup trucks, which um, just once again confirms what we've been uh, saying on previous podcasts, that the thirst there is here in the United States for pickup trucks and SUVs and crossovers is at an all-time high. And this is, you know, the the clear evidence that that is true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Everyone wants crossovers, I guess. I'm not, yep. I'm not sure why, but I guess that's the way it is. All right. Well, next we have... Volkswagen Jetta, they've announced that the, we've been talking a lot on the program about the new Taos and looks like Volkswagen is going to take that one and a half liter, 1.5 liter engine from the Taos and they're going to put it into the Jetta. Now it's doesn't seem like it would be that different and it's not, but it is a little bit better. So the versus the 1.4 liter that's currently in the Jetta, the 1.5 liter, they say will be 10% more efficient and it will also add 11 horsepower. So look to see about 44 miles per gallon out of the new Jetta. I think that's uh, that's actually a pretty significant increase. Yeah, and you know it's not only a, a significant increase, but we're talking about this is a non-hybrid vehicle that uh, it can get up to 44 miles per gallon. Yeah, and there's nothing. There's no crazy technology going on here. It's not an Atkinson cycle. It's not a hybrid. It's not. It's just a normal little gas engine. Yeah. which is which is pretty good and it's pretty it's a pretty good performer too so yeah yeah articulation out of the wheels using the coil spring I, I, you'll get a little bit more wheel travel i think this is going to be uh, pretty interesting 
And that doesn't, it's going to be a different rear suspension than the normal F-150, which is also interesting. Yeah, for me, it, uh, it, 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 it makes me happy and it makes a lot of sense, especially on the Raptor, because the Raptor was mainly conceived to be this off-road truck. But when I mean off-road truck, I'm not saying rock crawling truck. I'm talking about going, you know, Baja racing. Yeah. And going through dunes and things of that nature. And having a cold spring suspension, that's exactly what you want on those kinds of terrains. I mean, all we have to do is take a look at uh, the probably most famous race in the world when it comes to uh, uh, these types of racing, which is the Dakar. And this is what they've been using for a long time. So it makes a lot of sense uh, for me for, for Ford to be released a coal spring system in the new raptor so good for them yeah and i think it's interesting because the the new f-150 has such a high payload that i think that they can go to the setup without really compromising the payload beyond what you would expect from a half ton truck so i think that'll be i think it's an interesting choice and yeah i'm interested to see how that goes so next next we have the bmw we talked about the m4 and m3 last week They've now released their four series convertible. So it's going to have, you know, the same engines as the, as the normal four series. You'll have an M4 convertible. The interesting thing is that they've switched to a soft top. So they had two generations on a hard top, but now they followed Audi and Mercedes in, in this category and gone to a, gone back, I should say, to a, a soft top, a, a cloth convertible top. This is interesting. BMW in their press release, they talked about all of these new technologies without specifying what they were that they've invented in order to maintain a quiet cabin with and without the top up and to, that they can have this 40% reduction in weight while maintaining the same level of refinement in the cabin. I think that's interesting. I don't you know. That sounds like a lot like marketing speak to me. But it's an interesting development, at least. The big news here is that this is the first M-branded motorcycle ever. So BMW M has come in, and they've fiddled with the S1000RR, and they made an already extremely fast motorcycle a little bit faster. So they came in, they redid all of the electronics. You get a tiny bit more power, a tiny bit less weight, and it gets a lot more expensive. This is kind of on the, in the vein of like a Panigale, you know, Ducati Panigale Superleggera or even BMW, they did an HP4 before. That was not street legal though. So this, this M1000RR is street legal. It's just an S1000RR a little bit faster. Um, this is going to be about $35,000, which is pretty expensive for a motorcycle, but it's a lot less expensive than a, than a Ducati Panigale. So so interestingly, the Porsche Taycan has outsold the the 911, the 718 Boxster and Cayman, and the Panamera. Uh, this is really interesting. It's interesting to see them sell so many of the of Taycans. It really is because, I mean, 911 has always – I wouldn't say that the 911 has been their – a heavy hitter for Porsche, surprisingly, even though that's what when most people think of Porsche, they think of 911. Uh, mainly their sedans and SUVs have been the biggest sellers for them, which has been great in the sense that because they've been the biggest sellers, 
is, has allowed Porsche to continue producing the 911 and producing different variations of them for, for the rest of the world, which is fantastic. The 718, Cayman and Boxster, uh, both of them regarded as some of the best handling cars in their segment. Um, and the Panamera, great sedan. And they all got beaten by an all-electric vehicle, which to me, it can only, I can only arrive to the following conclusion. That Taycan is one heck of a car. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things into this. Obviously, one of the themes that we've been talking about for several weeks now is, are people going to actually buy electric cars as manufacturers have put so much effort into making them? He drives a, a, a Tesla Model X. That's his daily driver. And he has said, I don't really like the Tesla that much, but I want to drive an electric car. And so mm -hmm. I had mentioned to him, hey, why don't you think about the Porsche Taycan? And this was when they had just announced the Porsche Taycan. And he said, really, a Porsche electric car? I would be really interested in that. So I think that there's a lot of people who are like, I don't really, I'm not really interested in, in a Tesla or I've have a Tesla and I want something different, but I want an electric car and I want something that's nice. I think that there's actually quite a few buyers like that. And I think that maybe Porsches, they're the first ones really to market with a, a truly luxury EV. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's a lot of buyers that are pent up and are waiting to buy them, but Porsche has had to increase production of their Taycans because the demand has been so strong. So, yeah, just uh, before we wrap it up with this segment of the, of Porsche, I wanted to uh, share with our listeners, some numbers. So from Q3 of this year, that means July through September of this year, uh, Porsche sold 1,567 911s. They sold 1,084 of 718s and they sold 1,858 Taycans. Um, yeah, the more expensive they are, the more they sell them, I guess. Yeah, yeah you know, it's always been that way with uh, with Porsche. Uh, but just in comparison to uh, that we were mentioning how there, there's uh, SUVs are have over the last few years have been the heavy hitters. During the same time period in Q3, Porsche sold 4,509 Cayennes and 5,466 Macans. Moving on to uh, Nissan. Uh, 2021 Nissan Rogue, it's going to be redesigned. Uh, we don't know um, a whole lot more about the Rogue besides the, the price increase, but I'm assuming that powertrain is probably going to be the same. Uh, I'm hoping that it doesn't have a CVT transmission, but that's probably not going to be the case. I'm, I'm assuming they'll remain with the CVT. I think, Only that's actually, bucks I think you've increase. hit the nail on the head as to why Nissan, Nissan has been struggling for sales for a while. And mm -hmm. they're, they're just now getting back into the game, redesigning their products to try to get back in the game. I think that the CVT, at least for me, it's a, it's a no deal factor for me. I think that they need to change that if they want to increase their sales and they've been stubborn about it. Right. But they have been stubborn about it. Um, when it comes to the CVT, the thing about it is for us car enthusiasts, we are mostly against the CVT. Uh, that said, there's another company that have been using CVT for quite some time, and they've actually been very successful, which is Toyota. As we know, on on the um, Prius, it comes with a CVT transmission. The new RAV4 Hybrid comes with a CVT transmission. I think the bad rap that Nissan has with the CVT transmissions is how unreliable they've been, it, to the point of it's not if my transmission will go out some 
day is if you own a Nissan product with a CVT is your, your transmission will go out at some point. It's pretty much a guaranteed thing, which we haven't seen that with Toyota. That a lot of people are concerned when buying Nissans about the, the durability of the transmission. But I think when you get in and you drive the Nissan and you drive the CVT, they're not they're just not very good to drive. It makes it hard to hold a constant speed at highway speeds. And, you know, I, I know most people don't care about driving dynamics in the same way that, that we do. You just, it makes it harder to drive. And yeah, and it's a small difference. I understand that, but the, the gas, the gas consumption benefits aren't that big. And so I think that it, it does make a difference in how they're sold. Before we get to the rest of the show, take a moment to subscribe. If you enjoy our insights and want to help keep our lights on, you can visit our businesses. Borja runs a full-service auto repair shop in Orem, Utah. You can find him on Facebook at AutoPros Utah. And trust me, he really can't fix anything. I import cars from South America and Europe, primarily classic trucks like FJ40s and Land Rovers, but I can help you source any classic car in any condition that you want, from cars that were never sold in the U.S., to trucks that are just cheaper with less rust overseas. Visit me at DaveTheCarImporter.com. There's no reason for you to not have the car of your dreams, even if it is forbidden fruit. All right, well, next we have an interesting piece of news out of Tesla. So Tesla has, or is in the process, I should say, of dissolving their PR team. Now, what does that mean? It means that they're not going to they don't have anyone available to arrange for magazines to test their vehicles. So it's unclear at this point, whether it's been an intentional move, they've been firing people or whether they've just been letting people get new jobs and move on without replacing them. But as of right now, Tesla doesn't have really a functioning PR team. And I was looking and I couldn't find any information, any actual tests on the model X performance. And I was wondering why that was. Well, hey, now we know. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's interesting because we found uh, about this as we were trying to get some numbers on on Teslas, not only in the Model X but just also on other models. And then we started going through some YouTube videos, and what we found is pretty much everybody that has been doing some sort of reviews on Teslas are owners of the Teslas. Um, I even follow a couple of channels on YouTube. Those are kind of, they've been around for a while. Tesla has been working on them, trying to make those things better. You know, they haven't really gone away, but they've, they are a little bit better than they used to be. We're talking about something new here. The model Y has had some really, really serious manufacturing defects. For example, rear seats and seat belts not attached. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you want your seats attached. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they came attached. Yes, that definitely would. Uh, um, so yeah. pretty, pretty major thing. Um, unfortunately, yeah. that is not the only issue that they've had. Their glass roof. Um, well, it's um, not. A, of course, this is not happening on every Model Y, but their glass roof um, has been known to fly off. Yeah, so, it's a it's a self converting convertible on occasion. Convertible, yes, uh, touchless experience. And the way that it's non-structural, right? And the way that they secure it is basically with industrial adhesives. And it seems like they forgot to 
glue it on, I guess. And, yeah. and then also with, that's, I think a, probably a similar issue with the leaking roofs is maybe the, maybe it wasn't fully secured. They've really done a lot of automation process in, uh, in the manufacture of the Model Y. So I would be really surprised to see those types of issues come up where they just, you know, had one that didn't have the adhesive applied because I, I think that primarily robots are doing that work. So I'm not sure. There doesn't seem to be an obvious reason why you've had these really bad quality issues. I mean, they're, they're made in the same factory as the Model 3. There's no like crazy new technology that's going wrong on the Model Y. I don't know. Maybe it's just that they're selling so many of them. They haven't been able to keep up with quality control. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like David said, we are, we like Tesla. We, we admire all the work that, that Tesla has done and still does till today. We have spent, spoke about this several times in the podcast. If you really want an EV car right now, really the top dog when it comes to EVs is Tesla, not only for the vehicles and their performance and the features, but for their charging network. So we don't want anybody to think that we're just bashing on Tesla to bash. Uh, They have had some issues like any other manufacturer has had issues. And we have reported on every other manufacturer that has had issues and we wish them the best and hopefully they can get all these uh, issues sorted out fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and I guess one of the reasons why we bring it up is to say, these are, they're, they're serious issues and yeah. they're not obviously on every car, but no, you know, you spend a lot of money on a car, you want it to be right. And you don't want to have to take it back and get a new one because of one of these issues. And, and Tesla does that, right? I mean, if, if, if your roof comes off or you have major paint defects, they're pretty good at, you go back to the dealership and, and they'll make you a new one. It's just, yeah. there's no guarantee that the new one's going to be perfect either. They, they're they're going to figure it out eventually, but it's not quite there yet. Well, next, next I wanted to talk about the Pagani Huayra R. So Pagani, maybe not everybody even knows about Pagani. Pagani is a small volume manufacturer in Italy. They hand make very expensive, very, very, very nice cars. And they have had two models. The first was the Zonda. Now they're making the Huayra. And Mm. they made a Zonda R, which was a track-oriented version of the Zonda, an already very fast car. And and they have announced that they're going to make a Huayra R. So, yeah, the, the Zonda R was a pretty interesting car. It set the then record on the Nürburgring, a time of 6 minutes 47 seconds, which, which is really, really fast. Yeah, we have every ex- reason to expect that the Huayra R is going to be equally faster, faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the story with, with Pagani, it's, it's been extremely interesting. I mean, as you can imagine, uh, launching a car manufacturer is extremely difficult. We have seen many manufacturers come and go. Uh, some of them, they come and go as quickly. Well, they left as quickly as they came. So it's very, very hard to be able to market a brand new car from a brand new manufacturer and still remain in the game. Yeah. Uh, Pagani has been able to do that and and quite well because their products have been really good. I'm actually really excited about this uh, Wire R because um, it's to be expected. They're a very small manufacturer, but the Wire has been out for quite some time. Believe it or not, uh, the Wire was released back in 2011. Uh, 
Hmm. Uh, we're in 2020, so we're approaching, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it was sometime in January in 2011 that it was released. So, you know, in three months' time, this will be a 10-year-old vehicle. So as good as it is, you have to evolve. You have to come up with something new. They need something to refresh the Huayra. Um, if if they didn't have time to come up with a new model, uh, and this R could just be the ticket. We don't have a whole lot of information yet on what the Huayra R is going to include, but Mr. Pagani, Horatio Pagani, he did say that it was going to have a naturally aspirated engine. This is interesting. So, so Pagani has always used AMG V12s. Now, AMG is discontinuing their V12, so we don't know what the future is going to hold for them. Now they, they make few enough cars that it's possible. AMG will special make the, the, the engines for them, but you know, we don't, we don't know yet, but they, AMG does not currently have a naturally aspirated V12. And we know that the fiber R is, is going to have it. Horatio said about the engine quote made, especially for this purpose end quote. So it seems like it's going to be some type specifically bespoke. for the yeah some type of bespoke engine specifically for the Huayra R and I would expect it to be very very powerful the the normal Huayra uses a twin turbo V12 the the Zonda R used the same V12 that was used in the Mercedes CLK GTR which was basically a, a homologation special in the early 2000s late 90s that they had kind of worked on and for for the Le Mans GT1 category and that had a six liter naturally aspirated V12. I wonder if they're going to use an evolution of that engine or if they'll um, have a different manufacturer. It'll be really interesting to see, but whatever it is, it's going to be presumably something very, very special. Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing that has come out of Pagani that it hasn't been special. So it, it, it's for sure going to be special. And a personal note, I would like to see AMG still manufacturing engines for Pagani. I think it's been part of the charm and of the vehicle, part of the flavor of what Pagani is all about. Um, but Mr. Pagani knows best. So I'm sure that if it isn't an AMG, uh, we won't be disappointed. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, he, he has a really, his, his attitude for, for building and designing cars really is the best or nothing. And so Horatio was actually the head, the first head for composites at Lamborghini. So he was the one who got Lamborghini into the carbon fiber game. And one of the most interesting things with the Paganis in general is the quality of the carbon fiber weaves and how they match them and how every piece of the car is designed, not just for function, but yep. for, but for aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm a big fan of Pagani. I, I'm really excited to get more information on the Huayra R. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think well, I I agree with you. I'm, I've always been a big fan of of Pagani and the craftsmanship that they they have done with their vehicles is second to none. I mean, the, the attention, especially more on the Huayra, because it was great on the Zonda, and people thought that there's no way that you can top this craftsmanship. And then when the Huayra came out, it was on a whole new level. Yeah, so, it it is actually that's a phrase that's kind of overwrought and overused, but in this case, it's actually true. The craftsmanship of a Pagani literally is second to none. Yeah. If this episode wasn't enough to satisfy your petrol head thirst, 
Join us on Monday, where we will go in-depth into Honda leaving F1 but staying in IndyCar, McLaren's new hybrid architecture, and why people are buying super-fast SUVs. That's it for this week's Limited Slip Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss our insights into next week's automotive news. If you want to help us keep the content coming, leave a five-star review and visit our businesses at DaveTheCarImporter.com, where I help clients import their dream cars from South America and Europe for a flat fee or Borja's business on Facebook at AutoPros Utah, a full-service auto repair shop. This is David and Borja on this week's Limited Slip Podcast.